You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I'm your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 158. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting M.J. Pallelli, who is a Harvard Law School graduate, an emeritus professor of the John Marshall Law School in Chicago, and an award-winning legal writer. His second novel, American Conspiracy, will be published on July 27th. Before we get to the interview, though, if you like this show, remember to please leave a rating or review. It really helps visibility on the podcast apps like Apple. And also do check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links to find me at my regular haunts online, and to sign up to the Thrilling Reads mailing list so I can notify you of great deals on mystery and thriller books. And as always, thank you for listening and for your support. I really do appreciate it. All right, here is my interview with MJ Pallelli. Uh, hi, everybody. This is Alan with uh, Meet the Thriller Author. And for the uh, podcast today, I have MJ Pallelli. His second novel, American Conspiracy, will be published on July 27th, and it's available for pre-order right now. So if you listen to this, go uh, go check that out. Uh, welcome to the podcast, uh, Mike. Yeah, thank you, Alan, for inviting me. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little bit about your background. And, uh, uh, Harvard Law School, uh, you're a law professor, and now you're writing uh, thrillers, uh, mysteries and thrillers. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's uh, what uh, you would call a second act in my life. Like F. Scott Fitzgerald said, there can be, just proving F. Scott Fitzgerald, there can be second acts. <laughs> yeah, I started out in law, and uh, I'm from Chicago, and I practiced in Chicago for a while. But most of my career was in um, teaching. I first started at DePaul University in Chicago, uh, but I, um, I became an emeritus professor from what used to be the John Marshall Law School, but recently it's merged. So it's now part of the University of Illinois at Chicago. So it's the University of Illinois Chicago Law School. And um, while I was there, I had a, um, I guess, an epiphany because I directed the media law conference every year. And I invited Scott Turow, whose novel, Presumed Innocence, was um, a bestseller. And he was one of my guests. And I, it sparked an interest. I thought lawyers can also be authors. It's possible. <laughs> And then along came John Grisham. And by the time I uh, retired from the law school and moved to Florida, uh, 2010, I was thought, well, my second act is going to be what I've always wanted to do. Well, well, more and more wanted to do. And that was write novels. And did you uh, try beforehand? uh, Like, how long did it take you? When you decided to sit down and write your novel, uh, how long did that process take you? Well, the first novel I tried while I was still teaching was called Broken Love Beats. It was about the, the 60s, although I wrote started writing it in the 70s. It, it, it was like a first novel. It didn't get published, but it was a great learning experience. Learning what not to do is the most important thing. So um, I put it aside. I still have it. But uh, I when I moved down to Florida, I uh, started uh, the Mithras Conspiracy, and that actually began when I was on my honeymoon in in, uh, in Rome in 2004, uh, because the Da Vinci Code had come out a year before with Dan Brown, and um, uh, that intrigued me because I've always been interested in history, but not just as an abstract study, what it might mean for the present. How does can the history influence 
the present, sometimes dramatically. So that's where I got the inspiration for the Mithras conspiracy, uh, which is really a history-based mystery involving a commissario, Marco Leone, of the Rome police, who finds the corpse of a Vatican scholar floating in the Tiber. And he must overcome a tragic family history going back to World War II and a neo-fascist coup intent on taking over the government. So um, that uh, really uh, got me deep into a cult called the Mithras cult of ancient Rome. And I did a lot of research on it, uh, which uh, my background in law helped me with that. What it didn't help me with was more of the left brain, the, the imagination. What, what if? What if this had happened and what if that happened? Uh, so that novel was published in um, 2019. Uh, it's on my website and available. And as I was finishing that novel, I got the idea for a new for the new novel that emerged from my first novel. Now they're both standalone novels, but Commissario Marco Leone, the protagonist of my first novel, becomes a secondary buddy character to uh, Detective Jim Murphy of the Chicago PD. So the first novel ends with uh, Marco after he successfully confronted the coup going to Chicago on a sabbatical and meeting another coup about to take place. Yeah, so can you tell us, can you tell us about that, about American Conspiracy yeah, then, and what's uh, the plot American, about? American Conspiracy, like both of my novels, I had the idea before some of the things I fantasized <laughs> about actually happened. For, and I was thinking of, because I taught constitutional law, it was one of my major subjects. And I, I began to be concerned about the Electoral College because that went back to my debate days in college. Should we have an Electoral College and what problems could arise? I guess I never realized that the problems would actually come up as they have in some of them, at least the last few elections. But um, I really got motivated to finish the novel when Joe Biden made a comment on August 23rd on the campaign trail at Dartmouth College. He said this. In fact, I, I, it's in my book, the start of the book, because it so inspired me. He said, imagine what would have happened if, God forbid, Barack Obama had been assassinated after becoming the de facto nominee. What would have happened in America? And that's all you need to do is to ask what if, and you get the novelistic ju juices going. So that really motivated me to finish the novel and to draw on my experience as a constitutional law professor. What else could go wrong other than what we've seen with the, with the, with the election? So in this novel, uh, when a presidential election is thrown into Congress for resolution, as some of our elections have been, and this occurs after a candidate's assassination in my book, uh, Detective Jim Murphy teams up with the uh, commissario Marco Leone, who's in Chicago on sabbatical, and with the new backdoor president elected by Congress, Dallas Taylor, to uh, put down a coup, which is intent on um, taking over the United States, which is on the brink of chaos. So uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, the parallels are kind of chilling. <laughs> well, it, it is. You know, what they say, history never rhymes. Uh, no, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes sometimes. <laughs> and I was chilled. Frankly, you know, um, 
when Donald Trump was elected, I, I realized something in me said something has changed about American politics. Whether you agree with it or not is beside the point. Something has changed. And uh, I remember there was a, a letter uh, that I saw in an Italian newspaper because I, I know some Italian, I try to keep current, especially since my first novel was set in Italy. And this, the, the letter writer said, beware of, um, of, of, of moguls from private uh, industry who want to be uh, premiers or presidents. So they, had, they cited the example of Berlusconi in Italy, mm -hmm. where Berlusconi became the prime minister of Italy, very colorful to say the least. But there is, it's, there's sort of a parallel between the rise of Berlusconi and other populists and that now of uh, Donald Trump. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it, it was uh, uh, very important because for me, I need, I need a, a motivation to write. I need uh, something that keeps me going. And that is a very, very strong concern, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it does seem to be the, the, the whole populist movement. It seems to be spreading everywhere now. You got Brazil and uh, right. uh, the Philippines. It's kind of interesting uh, uh, a moment in history, I guess, where we got all these populists up there as uh, leading all these countries. Yeah, in fact, Steve Barry, you know, the New York yeah. Times bestseller, is uh, my actually one of my uh, uh, my models, um, and he was kind enough to do to do a blurb for my book. Mm -hmm. But his latest book, uh, The Kaiser's Web, is precisely on the rise of populism in Germany, where a, a right a populist politician confronts a figure who looks somewhat like uh, called Oma, grandmother, instead of Muti, you know, who's a woman prime minister. And that was certainly obviously on Steve Barry's mind as well, the rise of populism, and what, it, what that might mean. And so for, for uh, our listeners who aren't familiar with your writing, can you, uh, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the, your style? Uh, what, what can they expect when they read one of your books? Yeah, I think, well, the, I think the, my, my mentors, if you will, are first of all, I think Dan Brown, clearly, mm -hmm. in the sense of, of, of mystery. Uh, and, 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 but I think certainly in this, and certainly that's true in the, in the Mithras conspiracy. It, it's very similar in some ways to the Da Vinci Code and yet different, different style, um, et cetera. The American conspiracy, I think, is more in the vein of um, maybe um, Steve Barry. It's more of it's a political thriller, more overtly a political thriller uh, that requires some history in terms of electoral law, but not medieval history or ancient history. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think Steve Barry was, was a strong influence. Yeah, um, Dan Brown. I don't know if you're uh, if you've seen that that site Masterclass. He has Dan Brown has a, a Masterclass on there, and I, I took that one. He's I did too. Yeah, did he, too. he's amazing. <laughs> that was that was my favorite one. It wasn't it good. It was really well put together. It really yeah. helped a lot. A perfect segue into Masterclass. We both enjoyed Dan Brown's Masterclass, as you hear from the interview, where Dan Brown teaches writing thrillers. Dan Brown's thrillers have sold more than 250 million copies and include one of the world's best-selling novels, The Da Vinci Code. In his writing class, Dan unveils his step-by-step -step process for turning ideas into gripping narratives. You can learn his methods for researching like a pro, crafting characters, and sustaining suspense all the way to a dramatic surprise ending. You can check out Dan Brown's masterclass at thrillingreads.com forward slash brown. Highly recommend you check it out.
I still have it and refer to it once in a while. Yep. Yep. Same here. Yeah. It was, uh, it was very, uh, I was very impressed with him. I already, you know, as a, as a writer, of course, already was impressed with the, <laughs> with the man, but now as a, as a teacher, he was very, very right. good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so can you tell us now, were you a fan of, of mysteries and thrillers before you started to write uh, these type of books? Um, I gradually merged into it. I think it, because of my reading uh, I, and I think the Da Vinci code was really the game changer. Because that came out uh, 2003, I think, a year year or so before I went to Rome. And that that really caught my eye because I realized that history can be a source of novels, just as law can be. Um, and I'm the kind of writer that likes to uh, be concerned about what's going on in the world at the time I'm writing. Uh, sort of like maybe Tom Wolfe, that writers should get out of the writing room and see what's going on in society. There are all kinds of writing. But so I'd like to try to relate history or law or whatever to events that are going on. And um, that's what got me motivated, really. And what's your what's your process like then? Uh, so do you do like a, you, you mentioned before you do you put it in your research? Um, do you do a lot of research then before you get you sit down and start to write? I do, and especially as a lawyer, what I have to watch is the desire to uh, over research. In <laughs> other words, not just to have an information dump in my novels. So I, I've I've cut it down, and I, you know it's always something you you, you, you try to uh, avoid going overboard on and to work it in. And that's where I think uh, reading Steve Barry's novels, even Dan Brown's was a big help seeing how they, how they use it. Yeah. Cause it's a delicate balance, isn't it? So you have to entertain, um, but you're, when you're writing a political historical thriller, you have to also have, to have the facts in there. So it's kind of a, uh, interesting balance. Yeah. We have, you have to, uh, right. Right. Um, it's a little easier. It was a little easier. I think working with American conspiracy, because people know basically there's an electoral college. They may not know all the details, but when you're writing about ancient Roman history and the Mithras cult, you know, it's, it's a lot harder because you need to give more of a background. In fact, on my website, I uh, make available the historical notes for the book for free based on the cult of Mithras and um, which people have, uh, uh, saw certain similarities with Christianity. There's always been a big scholarly debate who copied who or whatever. But that's beside the point. The point is that these myths are often used by populists to try to gain power, whether it's Nazi Germany or uh, attempt to arrange a coup in Italy, mm-hmm. a myth of ancient Rome used by Mussolini. So these are very, very powerful forces. Uh, and um, therefore, in that book, I felt I did have to give a little bit more background. Yeah. And, but I, I didn't want to set it in ancient Rome. I did not want to make it a historical novel. Because for me, I like history that applies, can be used, or has relevance to the present. So uh, what, what I do is, in, in the Mithras Conspiracy, it's a modern Italian detective who's working with American archaeologists. Hmm. And there is what's called the Villa of Papyri that actually exists in Herculaneum, where over 2,000 scrolls have been uncovered. And they're gradually unrolling these scrolls with modern technology, and they believe there's more to be uncovered. So in, in the book, my premise is they just they unroll one of these scrolls written by an ancient uh, Mithras priest who happened to be friends with Paul of Tarsus, who was imprisoned in Rome at the time under house arrest. So 
uh, that, that history certainly was unknown to me, at least certainly the details. Uh, but that's why I felt I had to spend more time on it. But I didn't want to center it in the past. So my way of connecting the past with the present is through the discovery of these scrolls that are then being used by this neo-fascist conspiracy to augment its plans in the present. And so what's your writing process then? Once you have all the research done, you, you think you're ready to sit down and write? Do you have like a, do you outline it or do you just start writing? Well, that that's the mistake. Well, I, mistake, everyone's different. But for me, it was a mistake when, when I wrote The Broken Love Beats. I, I analyzed it all left brain. Roman numeral one, sub point one, two. And everything had to be fit into it more or less like a cookie cutter. Uh, I realized that I learned a lot by doing that. And I realized that I was taking the fun for me of writing a novel because the, the fun for me is the imagination. It's not simply the research. It's like the foundation, but it was the imagination. So what I would do is I, I would just go to a coffee shop. I love drinking cappuccinos. I go to the coffee shop. Now I make them at home, but, uh, and just doodle, just, you know, daydream sort of doodle and uh, let it see where it goes. I might, I might, do a couple of scenes that I have in mind, but when I get, I wait till I get there. And then when I get there, where do I go from here? It's sort of like a number of bus stops. You go, I go to that next stop and see where I want to take the next bus. Uh, and so it works a lot better for me. I don't feel locked in. It feels more creative and it's more fun for me. And I always like to ask uh, what the, the, my guests use for, to write, do you use like a word, a word, a word or some other type of software program? I use Word. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm, you know, I, I doodle with pen and pencil and paper, especially if I'm having coffee or having notes. But when, I, when I'm writing a draft, I use Word. And then, of course, with this uh, crazy year with this pandemic, uh, did that uh, have any changes at all? Are you, are you, are you... <laughs> yeah, it is a weird year. Um, I guess some of the changes that were at least good for me as a writer is what was going on with the election. In fact, my only concern was that the reality didn't catch up with my fiction. Because mm -hmm. what would have happened if, if, if uh, Vice President Pence had invalidated the Electoral College? I mean, I, it was even something I hadn't thought of in the book. But anyway, so that, that part was the motivating part, that I've got to get this book out because reality is catching up. In fact, in my book, American Conspiracy, I have... Dallas Taylor, who becomes president after first becoming vice president, elected by Congress, and she's an African-American woman. This is before Kamala Harris. <laughs> it is really weird because the first book, I had a pope who resigned. And this is before Pope Benedict <laughs> resigned. Oh, this is never going to happen, right? Well, yeah. the middle of the was. So, um, yeah, uh, so that, that, was, that was interesting to see reality. But the other hand was... It, 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 um, I, I'm fortunate to live near an area where I could walk the beach here in Florida. And it gave me a time really to avoid a lot of distractions. Mm -hmm. so I wasn't trying to do this, go into town, take care of all kinds of errands that I really didn't need to do. Uh, and it was a pleasant surrounding. So I think I really had more time to write, uh, more time to think about what I was doing. Uh, that was a good part. And what are, what are your plans for addressing the pandemic in the future? Are you going to address it in your books? Are you going to ignore it? Well, actually, there's a taste of it in the American conspiracy. Oh, okay. It's called the uh, it's called um, uh, 
COVID 2000, COVID 28, because it's the elections 2028. Ah, uh, okay. But I, I won't, but so it's a touch of it, touch yeah. of it. Yeah. But it's not the main theme. And so what are you working on now? What's uh, what's next for Good you? Good question. Good question. I one of the one of the downsides is I get ideas by circulating, listening to people, talking to people, reading papers. And right now, I really don't have an idea like I did when I was finishing the first book. I have various thoughts or concept, but they're not the kind of thing where you say, this is it. I don't know where it's going, but I'm going with it. I'm not at that point. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm torn between my role as a novelist and that as a law professor, because what concerns me now is in Florida, we have closed primaries where independent voters like me can't vote in primaries. Uh, there are only some 12 or 13 states that have them. And that, that really kind of bothers me, um, uh, you know, because I'm very concerned about our electoral system, because that's the foundation of everything we do. Mm -hmm. Can people trust the vote? Are enough people being heard who are able to vote? And for me, this is really a kind of surprising voter suppression where 3 million people in Florida cannot vote in the primary, uh, either primary, because they don't belong to a party for various reasons. And if you don't vote in the primary, often you're, you're reduced to twiddly D and twiddly dumb. Mm -hmm. We don't want to vote for either candidate. And uh, so, I guess my, my, my gut check is, what do I feel passionate about? Well, it was the novels, writing those two novels. Now, I, I, I feel passionate about this issue, and maybe seeing whether something could be done in terms of litigation or whatever. But as a, as a writer friend of mine said, you don't have to do one or the other. You know, maybe the novel will come out of your real life activities, which is a good point, which is a good point especially if you're the kind of writer that draws ideas from what's going on around you. Yeah. 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 It'll be interesting to see what, the, what you come up with since the yeah. other two books uh, kind of parallel, uh, <laughs> there's a little parallels in there. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I just wanted to add before I forget that mm -hmm. if you're, if any of your uh, listeners or viewers are interested in American conspiracy, you won't be able to find it on my website yet. So your best bet is to go to Amazon mm -hmm. Uh, eventually it will be on my website, by, certainly by July 27th. But if you want to pre-order, you go to uh, Amazon, but you can only find it under M period, J period, P-O-L-E-L-L-E, M-J Polelli. Uh, that's the only place where it's listed right now. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the the uh, Mithras Conspiracy is on my website. You'll have no problem getting that now. And what's your website? What's your URL address? Oh, yeah. Good point. Important. Uh, website is www.mjpolelle.com. So that's M for Michael, J for my middle initial, Joseph Polelli, my last name, P-O-L-E-L-L-E.com. All right. All right. So that uh, American Conspiracy comes out with uh, July 27th, right? Correct. That's All right. right. Okay, and uh, so it's available pre order now on Amazon. Uh, go check that out. Uh, before I let you go, uh, I always like to ask my guests because for aspiring writers that are listening to this, uh, any advice that you have for them, especially if they're starting maybe a second uh, act, like you said? Yeah, I, it's a good question. You know, I, I've read a lot before I started writing that said you have to do a certain number of words every day, I have to just, and, uh, and 
I, I read a lot of Hemingway. That was always a favorite author of mine. And you always had this sheet where you wrote the words. I found that I couldn't do that. I go with the flow. In other words, I know that the idea is percolating so that even when I'm not writing on a given day, I know it's working. I don't get too worried about it. Once, once I know the passion, my gut says, this is where you want to go. I'm not worried about it. Now, I will say after three days, I do get a little worried if I don't get back to the uh, to writing. It's sort of like if I don't have my cappuccino after three days. <laughs> but but it's it's not like I feel compulsed, compulsive that I have to do this every day. For me, uh, to do that would take the fun out of it. And for me, what keeps me going is the fun of writing. It's not it's not really the money at my point in life. I, you know, I'm retired. I'm living in Florida. So it's not my goal. Of course, it's great if it happened, you know, but it's, it's, I have more fun where I just am not so rigid with myself. All right. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really enjoyed talking to you about your work and your process and your background. Thank you, Alan, for all your questions. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Meet the Thriller Author. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this show. If you have done that already, I thank you. I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more uh, check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links all my links will be uh, on that uh, page so that's it for this episode Uh, see you next time and stay safe out there